Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, thank you so much for joining me today. If you're anything like me, at some point in your life, you've experienced the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, fear of judgment, and the fear that you're not good enough. And because fear often gets in the way of our best lives, and most importantly, our health, I thought it would be amazing to invite my fierce friend, Koya Webb, an expert on facing your fear, to share her wisdom with us today. Koya is an international speaker, yoga instructor, and celebrity health coach. She leaves a thriving global community that inspires physical, mental, and spiritual health. And she's the author of the new Hay House book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce. So if you feel like time is passing you by and you still haven't done or pursued the one thing that your soul is calling you to do, fear most likely is what's getting in the way. So get out a pen and a notepad and pump up the volume because this conversation is going to spark your courage, teach you how to connect with your authentic self, And you're going to leave today with some practical tools to create lasting, lasting change. Hey, Koya, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for being here. I'm so stoked to have you today. Thank you for having me. It is such an honor. I'm so excited. We have been, I don't know, I think it's been almost a year since we met through a mastermind that we're both in. And then it was the synchronistic world that we live in where we kept running into each other and seeing each other. And it's just been such a pleasure getting to know you and your story and your movement. And it's just such a pleasure seeing all of the beauty and light that you bring to the planet. So I was like, I have to have you on my show to share all of these incredible things that you're up to. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's just meeting you and also getting to deep dive with you and learn more about you and everything you've been through just definitely made me respect you as a person and just all the light you're putting out in the world. So it's such an honor to be on your podcast, to be able to share some of my story as well. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to dive in for those who maybe don't know your story or how you got to this place where now you're this incredible coach and leader and expert in all things wellness and well-being and have built a massive following from people all over the world. Can you just take us back to how this how this got started and how you really came into this space of really helping people move through their fears, helping people move through self-doubt with with grace and ease and, and getting to a place where they're able to overcome these struggles that they face every single day through their own intuition and not looking with you know, looking out, but coming and looking within all these things that I love that you talk about. I appreciate that question because, you know, I feel like we all, we come here as babies and we come full on ready to experience life, the ups, the downs, all the things. And I don't 
think anyone can just skate through life problem free mentally, spiritually, physically, we all get challenged in different ways. And I think I just, I've never started with that, but I wanted to start with that today because I feel like so many people get down on themselves for challenges they're going through or down on themselves for, like I had a track injury and my leg completely changed, get down on themselves about loss of a relationship or job. And I just want to start out with, we all go through the muck and we all go through getting stuck and having that self-doubt. And for me, that started with putting all of my eggs in one basket of track and field. And I ate it, I slept it, everything was track and field. And also, I was really on my grades because I knew that if one day something happened with track and field, I need to be intelligent enough to have my own company, run my own business. So I was always very, very ambitious. And ambition is a good thing. But it also can be challenging because with a lot of ambition, you do and will inevitably run into a lot of challenges. And so my first like huge challenge where I felt like I can't go on was when I got a back injury running track and field in college. And I'd gotten through injuries, small injuries in high school, won the state meet, got a college scholarship. And I was like, okay, this is my ticket out of the country. You know, I'm a small town girl. I was raised in a trailer. We didn't have much. I mean, I didn't even have regular milk. We had powdered milk. You know, we, I got my clothes from the helping hand. So track was my ticket to a better life. It was my ticket to be able to travel the world, which I always wanted to do, meet different people. And when I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, you have a back injury. I was like, okay, well, how long will it take to heal? You know, and they're like, sorry, you're out for the season. And I'm like, what? I like this doesn't make sense because I've been doing my work. I've been studying. I go to church on Sunday. Like, what in the world? Like, what is happening and why? Like, I no, I wasn't really accepted. It was so shocking to me because, you know, I felt like I'm superwoman. Like, you know, I'm lifting the weights. I'm eating the food. I'm doing everything I can to take care of myself. And then so this just happens, or so I thought, rather. And so this happens. And so I got sent to the counselor. And the counselor recommended yoga. And I'm an athlete. So I go in there and people are sitting in Lotus and it's being still, which I'm running. I'm a heptathlete. So that I'm active. I'm used to walking around, being on the track, being in the gym, being in the weight room. And just sitting in stillness was very foreign to me. I was very intimidated. I couldn't touch my toes. It was painful. Like it wasn't just, I couldn't do it. It was painful to do. And so, and I'm like, how are these people sitting here in bliss? Like, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I was frustrated. I was depressed. And the teacher just came over to me and she said, I just want you to breathe with me. And I remember saying, okay, I could do that. And taking this deep inhale and then exhaling all of this tension. I feel like in that one breath, I felt this chill come over my body. And I was like, wow, that felt really good. I can do that. And so my first thing that I tell people is just connect with your breath because I do believe connecting with your breath is connecting with spirit. It's something that we all can do. Even if you can't move a limb, lost a limb, like if you are living, you are breathing. And if you can breathe, you can get out of any situation. So I really think it starts with breath work and she, the teacher connected with my breath. And I think that's the best thing she could have done in that moment. So I was able to breathe and just get through the poses and breathe and 
eventually start to not be so painful when I went through classes. And eventually I started swimming and then biking. And then after a year, I was able to return to the track when the conference meet and lead my team to a conference championship. So I feel like, you know, that breath work and yoga and really connecting not only to heal my body, but also my mind, feeling like I've lost my dream and sitting with myself. That really was, I think, the opening. And now, fast forward, this is what I teach. This is what I do for a living. But in that beginning phase, and I went through a lot since then, but I think that teacher getting me to connect with my breath was the single most amazing thing that you've done for me. And that's the single most amazing thing that I feel like we can all do to get us connected to our spirit. And then from that spiritual place, all things else can start to fall in place. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think we forget to breathe every day. I think so often we're so stressed and running so quickly and going from thing to thing. I'm like, how often do we sit and we connect to the gift of breath and the gift of life? And that's what breathing is. And being taught how to breathe correctly is one of the things that I think is so crucial in terms of just regulating our nervous system and getting out of fight or flight and decreasing stress. So I love that. And I love that it was such a, a simple practice that had such a profound impact on the rest of your life. And something that I love about your work and what I love about your book is that it's really about breath work and breathing techniques and meditation and journaling and prayer and yoga and the things that supported me in healing my eating disorder. And so often people are like, oh, what treatment center did you go to? What type of doctor did you go through therapy? And I'm, I'm like, those things actually didn't work for me. What worked for me was the things that you teach in your book. And so I'm curious if you are open to it, I would love to hear about your eating disorder and how you overcame it and maybe what triggered it and where you are today with body image and healing your relationship with food and your body. Because I think it's something that so often isn't talked about. And so many people in our space that I know have gone through this, yet a lot of us don't know about their stories. And so I love just having this conversation because it's so important for young girls and girls to hear today that, that it happens and we can heal from it. Absolutely. And I think it happens to the best of us. And I feel like that when you're in that dark place of a lot of the eating disorders are based on control. And your eating is something that you control. And sometimes, especially as women and men have eating disorders as well, but we feel a loss of sense of control. And whether it be other people saying how we should look or how we should be or us self-inflicting, that pressure of how we should look or how we should be based on social media and, and TV and things like that. But it's like something else is controlling how you think and feel about yourself. And so us manipulating how we're eating is a sense of gaining that control back. Whether it's through bulimia or anorexia, whatever, we're still controlling. And if people can understand that, which I didn't know at the time, I think it can help understand why it started. Because a lot of people are like, how did I get here? you know, wants to have an eating disorder. And then once you feel stuck in it, you're like, okay, how do I get out? And I think knowing how it started is a very important thing and where you feel like you're being controlled in your life or where you feel like there was a loss of control. And so for me, I was in a relationship and 
I found out after two years of dating this person, when I finally decided like, oh, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life, I found out they were married and have four kids. So I was devastated. And I, of course, I was a loss of control because I was like, I was like completely in love and I was completely blindsided. And I'm like, you know, and I judged myself and I made myself wrong. And I was like, but I was still in love. So I ended the relationship, but I still had all these feelings of, of loss. I lost this person that like, I've lost this person. I've lost this time and just completely confused of how I allowed. So I just went down this downward spiral. And at that time, I ate a lot to kind of protect myself from the pain and kind of self-medicate the emotions that I didn't want to feel from being hurt, from being betrayed, like all, all these things. And so I just started eating, eating, eating. And then, you know, of course, I knew I wasn't supposed to be eating all the things I was eating, all these things. And so I had bulimia. So I would just then throw up and seemingly wash it away, you know, wash the problems away. And everything was with the eating to kind of mend the pain and then eliminating to wash it away. And that went on, I think, for about, I want to say four to six months. I wasn't counting the days at all. It seemed like forever. And I remember telling the person because they were still trying to stay with me and be with me. It's like, look, I'm not okay. I went through a while where they were like, oh, I'm working on this. It's going to be a separation. And me like being so confused as a young woman to like, why did this happen? And like, just so confused. And I, like you, like, I actually was so embarrassed that I, I was in this situation and, and I allowed this to happen to myself. There's a lot of self-criticism, a lot of self-judgment. And I was so embarrassed that I didn't go get counseling and I didn't know like who to turn to. I was in California. I was by myself. I didn't have, you know, when I came here, I didn't have many friends. I didn't have family. And so I was looked at to as a leader already teaching holistic health and, and personal training and stuff. And so I really didn't feel like I had anyone to turn to because everyone was turning to me, you know, I turned to what I knew, which is God. And I remembered the breath, like spirit. And I was like, God, help me through this. Like, help me out of this. I know this is not healthy. And you know, my heart being in this relationship was not, this toxic relationship was not my intention. I just reached out to God and was like, God, please help me. Like, I don't know what to do. I remember sitting beside the toilet crying and like, I don't want to do this anymore. And this hurts. It hurts me. It hurts my throat. It hurts my head. It is like, but I felt like well, I had lost control completely. And I remember after that moment of fully surrendering to, I can't do this on my own. God, please help me. I was led to this article and I was, I, I typed in dangers of bulimia. And then I was led to this article that was like, you know, this is bad for, you know, you losing electrolytes. This is bad for your esophagus. You're messing up your digestion and say all these negative things. So of course I saw other people doing it and, but I never knew like how harmful it could be to your body and being a health enthusiast. I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm ruining my body. Like I will never, it's going to mess up my teeth. My teeth are going to rot out. Like, so anyway, all these negative things. And that helped me. And 
I feel like anyone can go, whether it's anorexia or bulimia, like whatever it is, they can go and look at the dangers of those eating disorders and see how it's really impacting your health. And and I feel like, if, especially if you care about your health, that could be a transition person to to release and let go and seek out help. I do think call centers and reaching out to call centers and telling someone. At this point, I did tell the person, but of course they didn't care. They didn't know what, maybe they did care, but they didn't know what to do with that. They, didn't, they weren't like a therapist. But reaching out, and I remember I was looking online, it was like, well, how do you get out of this? And it was just like, and I'm a very self-motivated type of person. I remember this article saying, just start one day at a time. So that's how I started. I was like, I will not purge today. I won't do it. And then I remember writing it down, the dangers, like, this is bad for my esophagus. This is bad for my teeth. This is bad for my health. Like, you know, writing all of the downfalls of what I was doing, how it was hurting me, that really helped me. And I looked at that every day and I said, I will not today. I will not today. And I would look at my food because, I, of course, I knew how to eat healthy. It's like just when I wanted to pick up, like, and so the things that I would do just to share transparently, I would go and eat like a dozen donuts. I would eat like a whole bag of chips. I'd eat like a whole bag of nuts. I'd eat like, I would just literally oh, binge and just like eat way more. And so when I felt myself wanting to do those things, I would just look at it and I was like, you will not do that because you deserve better. You deserve better than this relationship. You deserve better than this, than eating all of that, that you know, that doesn't serve you. And I just started to love myself by telling myself, no, you deserve better. And that's the way that I loved myself. I loved myself by not allowing myself to continue to hurt myself. Anyone listening can know that if you find yourself in this situation, just knowing that you deserve better and you deserve the best life has to offer. And the best life has to offer is not an eating disorder doing anything to hurt or harm yourself. And if you have been hurt or harmed, like I had been in this relationship, realizing you can let that go. And the sooner that you let that go, the thing that really triggered you, whether it be a job or a person telling you you're not good enough or in a situation or job that makes you feel like you're not good enough, as soon as you stop that thing. So as soon as I stopped purging, I was able to also end the relationship and say, I deserve better than this. And yes, it's seeming to be good, but it's very toxic. And so I completely ended that and I completely just started to follow Louise Hay and started these positive affirmations for myself. I love myself. I am abundant. I am love. And I think positive affirmations is another thing that I talk about in my book. And that really got me through this time of the eating disorder. And then whenever I wanted to slip back or whenever I did binge again, I would tell myself, you will not eliminate, you will not purge. And I look at my list of like the th- the reasons that it was bad for me and I would stop myself. And then, and I had to sit with it. I had to sit with the fact, okay, well, you ate all this, but you're not going to do the second half. I think that's another thing that can help, especially people with that specific eating disorder is there's so many times when you can stop. Yeah. It's so interesting too. I think when something bad happens to us and we lower our vibration and our energy because we're in the state of, am I worthy? Am I lovable? Am I confident? Can I go back out in the world because someone else has harmed us? We drop our vibration and our energy. And in that state, we turn to things that keep us in that state. Instead of turning to the things like the breath work, the meditation, the journaling, the prayer, connecting with God, the yoga, 
because we're in the low vibration, we don't think what will move me out of this vibration. We think what will keep me in this. And that's where I've seen personally in my own experience. That's where, where the control with food, the unhealthy relationship with the food, harming my body and not taking care of myself because we're in that state of energy, right? But if we view everything as energy, it's like what will move us out of that energy. And so we have to choose choose something different. And I think it's profound and something I see so often in my coaching is, and even with my own personal experience, it was like I was trying to morph my body into what the person I was dating wanted me to be. And so I think sometimes when we go through breakups, we're like, what would have made him stay? Or why didn't he love me for me? And we blame ourselves versus just recognizing that it had nothing to do with us. And I see this so often with porn addiction and things where the woman is constantly blaming themselves. And I keep saying it has nothing to do with you. Like this man who did this to you had nothing to do with you. And I think it's important for women to hear that your worth and who you are, it has nothing to do with what someone else is doing and the harm that they're creating. Exactly. And I think one thing to remember is that, yes, people do harm. And when people harm you, it's because they're in a toxic place themselves. And you did nothing to deserve that harm. But when you start smoking or drinking or having an eating disorder, then you're harming yourself. So when someone harms you, you want to love yourself. You want to do yoga. You want to meditate. You want to go for a walk. You want to be around friends. You want to listen to music. You want to do all those things to love yourself. Because what happens when you do those other things is like someone harms you and now you're harming yourself. You're learning that toxic pattern from the person that harms you. And so you don't want to do that. You deserve love. And so you have to switch the narrative of harm. That's what we know when we're in this place because we were loving and we were getting love. And then all of a sudden that turned to harm. And then here we are harming ourselves. It's pretty interesting how we start to you know, hurt people, hurt people. And when we are hurt, the main person we hurt first before we hurt anyone else is ourselves, Because we start this negative self-talk and we start this self-doubt of, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? And I feel like when that critic comes to you saying, you know, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? A lot of people say silence it, but the thing is, it comes in on its own. And I tell people, become friends with it and talk to it. Say, yes, I am enough. Yes, I am beautiful. Yes, I deserve the best life I have to offer. And you just speak to that voice. And it's a way of like canceling out the negativity and switching it to a positive and saying what you do deserve. And you do deserve a healthy relationship. You do deserve to love your body as it is because all of us have different, beautiful, unique bodies. And the more we love our bodies as it is, the more other people, our friends, our partners, love our body as it is. So I think that's a big thing is realizing that we all have this voice of self-doubt playing in our head from time to time or that can come up, but just becoming friends with it. And when we hear it, oh, really? No, I don't think so. Like, we're just making it a fun thing. Like, oh, there you are. Because I think Sometimes looking at it as a negative it is also negative against ourselves because it's our voice coming from our head and our body. Looking at it as just like, oh, I know that you might be hurt because of that article that you saw and you think, oh, I'll never be like that. But guess what you are? You're beautiful in your own right because, and then fill in the blank, because you got through this tough situation, because you decide to love yourself as you are, because you're not going to allow yourself to be in a toxic relationship or a toxic job. And I feel like when we start to empower ourselves with, instead of these limiting beliefs, these liberating affirmations of I am fill in the blank, then we become powerful. 
there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also gonna get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe and I'll see you on the inside. Yeah, I'm in full agreement of that. I think we judge our thoughts too heavily instead of recognizing that our thoughts could be that magazine header. It could be that article that we read. It could be something we saw in the media. It could be something we heard in the news at the airport, which we didn't even recognize went into our consciousness. And so we have to be very soft and gentle and graceful with ourselves when we have thoughts because most of the time they aren't ours. Unless they're coming from a deep-rooted place of self-love and self-worth and who we are at the core, which is love, they're not our thoughts. They're just they're just in and out based on our current experience on this planet. So I love that. I think that that's that's so so important. I want to talk about your book, "Let Your Fears Make You Fierce." It's a little bit of a tongue twister, and I'm curious, like of all the stories you tell and so forth, what was the biggest fear that you've overcome in your life? And how did you turn that into an opportunity and so forth? Because I feel like that's kind of what this book is about. It's turning common obstacles into seeds for growth. So I would love to hear, yeah, one of the big fears that you've overcome and how you moved through that. I think our biggest fear that I continue to have to overcome is being worthy. And I think coming from humble beginnings, I still struggle with that sense of worthiness. And okay, so I run track, but am I worthy to get a scholarship? Okay, I've got a scholarship. So am I worthy to go to this next level? Okay, well, I'm a thought leader, but am I worthy to have a book? And so every stage of my life, I come back to that sense of worthiness. That has been my biggest one that I continue to overcome this that self-doubt, like, am I worthy of this? And also not seeing as a woman of color, not seeing, you know, representation, like, you know, in the yoga scene, for instance, and like, am I worthy enough to be a teacher? Am I worthy enough to have my own yoga school? And realizing, yes, you are worthy because you've done the work, because you breathe the breath of life. That alone makes you worthy. And I think that that's what I have to constantly remind myself even if I don't see representation, even though I feel like someone has more money or more prestige or more friends. And I think comparison is something that we all do and it can make you doubt yourself and doubt your own worthiness because you might not have something someone else has. But anyone listening, just to know that you are worthy, no matter what you have, you are worthy. And any dream or thought or passion you have in your heart is there for a reason. And you're worthy to see that out to fruition. And that's what I remind myself all the time when their comparison comes up or self-doubt comes up, just reminding myself that, girl, you are worthy. Yes, go write your book. Yes, have a podcast. Yes. And, you know, some of the practices that I share in the book helps me remember that, like the meditation, just sitting down with my breath every single day and telling myself, 
you are worthy and starting to visualize and started to see myself. Like when I was writing the book, let your fears make you fierce. I had to see myself because I had a lot of fears. Like, what if I don't say the right thing? Or what if I don't choose the right topics? Or all these things that bubble up, you know, when your relationship, what if I don't dress right? What if I, you know, we have all these things, but it's like, you know what, no matter what, you are beautiful and you are whole and complete and just as you are. And I feel like reminding ourselves that constantly is important and also sitting in meditation and starting to visualize what does it look like for you? Not for someone else, not flipping on Instagram and trying to decide what you need to look like or what you need to be like to ask yourself, what makes me feel most happiest? And starting one of the things that I do with myself and also with all my clients and One thing I teach in the book is just how to sit with yourself and start to visualize what makes you feel your best. Like what environment, like I'm sitting now looking out at the water because I decided I love an ocean view. I love to look out of my window and see the water and see green and see nature because I'm a country girl and nature never left me. Like I don't feel the same when I'm like in a hotel in New York, you know? And so that was important to me where someone else, they might love New York and You really have to sit with yourself and ask yourself, what do I love? What makes me come alive? And I feel like doing that instead of popping on social media to try to define yourself is where self-love starts. And going through that then to, as I do in the book, like write down your goals and write down what makes you feel alive. Who do you feel best around? Building your A-team. So there are all these practical tools that you can do to make sure you're living your life and your dream and not someone else. Yeah, I love that. It was so interesting. So so the coach that I worked with for many years had someone reach out and they were like, I want to get to the place where Sarah is now. And, you know, I want to get there now. And he was sharing with me that my entire process, and he was like, I just want to remind you of this. Your entire process was getting back to yourself, like not looking at experts and seeing what they're doing, not looking at your friends and saying, well, she has this kind of life and this kind of house by the water or not by the water, wherever it is, but really connecting back to yourself. And what he had told her, he said, like, you can't look at her and and want that life and think that that's going to bring you happiness. You have to actually have to go within, right? And I think so often people look at our lives, they think we never have these doubts or these worries or these concerns or that we never question our own worth or that we never sit and say, okay, my friends are doing this, but maybe I don't want to be part of that mastermind. Maybe I do want to be part of it. Maybe I want to be part of this group or that group. But when we look externally and we think, oh, if I go join that, that's going to bring me happiness or this is going to bring me financial success or this is going to bring me the relationship. It just doesn't, it never works that way because you're always looking externally for what you think will bring you happiness instead of internally. So I love that you share that because I think, think so often People think that coaches, once we go through the work, we're immune to the worth, right? We're immune to feeling unworthy and that's just not accurate. Absolutely. And happiness is found within. And anytime you get caught up looking for happiness outside yourself, you just have to reel it in. Okay, what really makes me happy? And I think it's so easy, especially when you are a light worker, you want to be a light worker, you want to be a positive influence in the world you're looking around, okay, well, what are people looking for? And for me, I started to feel more satisfied when I just started to look within and ask myself, what am I looking for? What am I looking for? What makes me come alive? And then sharing my journey and sharing the tools that I've used to help me on my journey. And that, like, 
where I'm at now and also having a book as well where I've shared this like, wow, like this alone, just sharing my journey and my process is what is inspiring and helping other people. It's not trying to be someone that I'm not. And each and every one of us has something someone else can relate to. Like your story is we have our similarities, but also we have our unique differences. So your unique differences makes people really gravitate to you. And my unique differences will make different people gravitate to me. And each and every one of us are here for a unique and beautiful purpose. And when we remember that our purpose is not Sarah's purpose, our purpose is not Koya's purpose, our purpose is our purpose. And it's unique and it's different. Even if you're a twin, your purpose is not your twin's purpose. It's like completely different. It's a digital, like if you will, blueprint. If you did your thumbprint, it's different. And that is our purpose. Our purpose is different. So every time you go into meditation, you go within to work things out and to find your happiness, you're going to find the pathway and the blueprint, if you will, to your own happiness, your own story, your own route, your own way of teaching. And that way is going to inspire other people. And in inspiring other people is how you build communities like I have, like you have. But it's in being authentically yourself. And yes, you might be inspired about, we share different programs in our mastermind and different things we've tried, but you try it on. If it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I think that's where people are kind of getting confused. They're like, well, we're sharing all these tools. You're sharing all these tools because I'm supposed to do exactly what you do to get your type of success, right? Absolutely not. I'm sharing so you can use it as a toolbox and you can pick out the things that feel good in your heart and soul and leave the things that don't. But if you do the exact things I did, you're going to get a different experience because your blueprint is not my blueprint. But you can still take these tools, try them on like a jacket and see which ones really fit and vibe with your soul. And so my book is just this beautiful toolkit that I got from other light workers like, you know, Marianne Williamson and Michael Bernard Beckwith and Lisa Nichols and, you know, all these amazing people, Ayana Van Zandt, Oprah, you know, and just all, all these tools that they've shared and some of them that I've tried on and like, ooh, that feels good. That makes me come alive. And so I think the more that we remember that our greatness lies within ourselves and then sharing our stories, that's really what, to me, builds community. And that's how we all start to work together to tell, help each other heal and grow. Yeah, I love that. And I find so often with clients too that you might have this toolkit, right, of all these different practices, and you might not be ready to write the forgiveness letter to your mother. You might not be ready to write the forgiveness letter to yourself yet. You might not be ready to sit and meditate and confront your thoughts yet. But as you continue to embody different tools and different practices, and even just connecting to your breath, like if you're terrified of meditation, if you're listening now, and you're scared to confront your thoughts, or you're scared to journal, these are very common fears, right? Because the moment you sit to journal, the moment you sit to, to meditate, you have to confront yourself to some extent, start with just your breath. I mean, I think so often people get scared of the different practices. So they're like, I'm not even going to go there. But you might not be ready to do some of these practices for two, three, four, five months. I know I wasn't, I've just gotten into the forgiveness process towards, towards the relationship I have with my parents this year. And when I was in Bitha this summer, one of my girlfriends who does a lot of this work, she said to me, she said like, you're holding out on the amount of joy that you're feeling because you're not willing to forgive your mom. And I was like, what are you talking about? I do forgiveness all day long. She's like, you have more work to do. And the fact that she could see that in me 
And we're close enough where she's comfortable sharing that. But it was like, I wasn't willing to go there yet. Right. And so it's just beautiful and it's always evolving. And you don't have to judge yourself about what you do and what you don't do yet. So that's what I love the fact that you offer so many different things, like pick and choose what works for you. Absolutely. And I think there's levels to forgiveness. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we're like, okay, I did that. Or I went to therapy. And But no, there's levels to forgiveness and there's levels to trauma. Like when you experience trauma and when you experience being hurt or doing something and that needs forgiveness, there, a lot of people, once you unpack it, it doesn't mean it completely goes away. You might deal with like a superficial level, but it's like deeper levels of pain and trauma that you experience because you're recreating the situation over and over in your head. So the more that we, what I suggest in the book is we develop a lifestyle of using these tools. Like every morning I get up and I do my pranayama, I do my breath work. And in my book, I share the simple ones. And then online, I have ones that are more intense and difficult. But in the book, simple yoga poses, like child's pose and downward dog, like the simple one. That way everyone can get started and just start where they are. And then as you get stronger and stronger, you go deeper and deeper to unpacking childhood trauma and negative things that you've been through. But I want to you know, just be honest about it. Like I'm still unpacking stuff from my childhood and it's a lifelong process. And I think that's what we're here in this human experience to work through. We're all spiritual beings having a human experience and we're working through things that we've been sent like on a soul level to unpack not only from this time, but also like people say, oh, it's, it's hereditary. It's in my DNA. A lot of things are here and happening to us because we want to unpack those things and start on a soul level. And as a collective and a world level, the more we commit to that personal healing by doing the work, doing the breath work, doing the yoga, the meditation, writing the forgiveness letters, going through like, okay, what is it? That, why is it that I'm holding on to this self-doubt? And realizing the reason we even have challenges in life is so we can get through them. They're not to break us down. They're not to rub our face in the mud. We have challenges so that we can overcome them and become stronger. The same reason we go to the gym. You go to the gym not to break down your muscles so you can't lift again. You go to the gym to work out and to build stronger muscles. Because once those muscles break down a little bit, they overwhelm here and you become stronger. That same thing goes with challenges in life and our emotions. We break down. We have breakdowns, we have sadness, so that when we experience these things again, we're a little bit stronger, we're a little bit more aware, we understand, we have compassion, and that brings us back to the space of love, and love is who we truly are. So I think when these fears pop up, when these doubts pop up, it's just to remind us, like, this is a place that needs to be healed. And once we heal that place by doing some of these you know, practices that we've talked about, then we can return to love. Yes, I'm in full agreement of that, full agreement of finding that place of forgiveness. And then from that, I think for me specifically going through so much trauma and so much pain, it's allowed me through contrast. And I love the Abraham Hicks theory or belief of the fact that like only through contrast do we get to experience both sides and we wouldn't know joy and elate, being elated and happiness without, without the other side. And I think that's part of the whole spiritual process that we're in here on this planet is to experience both sides. And we actually get to experience more happiness and joy when we've gone through the suffering. And the suffering is the best part of the spiritual growth. It's actually, it actually allows for spiritual growth because we wouldn't be growing if we were just comfortable. 
Absolutely. And I think another thing we have to remember is that we do need to have time to rest and recover. And I think a lot of people think you have to go, go, go and do, do, do and things like that. And actually in the slowing down, because in life, we have the daytime and the nighttime. We have this energy, this uplift, and then we have the time through darkness where we need to rest and recover. And if you remember, when we're feeling darkness in life, we're feeling sadness, we need to rest and recover. We need to process what we're going through. And that's what I'm helping people do in the book. How do you turn these obstacles in the seeds for growth? You have to give yourself a chance to process it. You can't just go on like it didn't happen. You can't just, you know, and I had times in my life where I'm like, I don't want to have any negativity and I just want to be positive all the time. But it's like, I'm not processing any of the pain that I've experienced. And until I said, okay, let me take the time to process the pain. And if you look at nature, nature is teaching us how to do that. During the day, everything's growing, everything's thriving. And at night, rest and recovery. So I think we have to remember that, especially as ambitious people, that we need to take time to rest, to recover, to meditate, to do yoga, to write down our goals, to visualize. All of that is part of the restoration process so that we can shine and be a light and be our best selves. I love that. Are there any other practices in the book that you want to share any other words of wisdom, things that you want to leave the listeners with? One of the things I think people really love, I just got back from Iowa. One of the things people really love is the chakra work that I do mid-book because a lot of people are not aware of like our energy centers in the body and how we can they can be balanced, overactive, or underactive based on how we move through life. And so I go through the root chakra, the sacral chakra, the solar plexus, the throat, the third eye, and the crown. And I have a list of ways and tips where you can really balance out your chakras. You can actually see and take this little quiz and see, okay, which chakra is overactive. And by doing that, you can eat the food, wear the clothes, and do the practices that help you balance out your chakras. And I think that part has gotten the most, like, you know, I've gotten the most feedback from when people say, I really saw a difference when I worked on this chapter, when I wear the clothes, when I did the practices, I noticed that I felt a lot better. I noticed that I speak my truth a lot better. I noticed that I didn't feel as sad when I did this work. I noticed I was able to really invite spirit to speak to me when I worked on my crown chakra. So I think working with these energy centers is something I would tell people to really in the book when they're going through, even when they start reading it, in addition to in the beginning, we talk about the yoga, the meditation, but really start with the the chakra work and the energy center work, because you're going to see like a night and day difference when you start working on your own energy centers and also noticing when you're around certain people at certain events, when you feel a little off or when you feel that gut feeling or when you feel a lump in your throat, these are all ways that our body is speaking to us, letting you know something needs to be addressed, something needs to shift. And so when you learn how your body is speaking to you, I think that's the most powerful and most exciting thing that you can do. So I think I would say whether you get the audio book or whether you get the physical book, like going through that practice right after you start your routine of doing the yoga, meditation, water, I think go straight to the chakra work and then limiting beliefs and goal setting. I think people, more people have done that. But I think the chakra work is kind of like the most exciting thing that I'm getting feedback on about the book right now. My philosophy with my company, Get Loved Up, is love yourself, love others, love the planet, 
in that order. You have to love yourself first and most to be able to love others, to be able to do this good work in the world. So don't just wake up in the morning and tackle your emails right away and tackle your inbox and start serving even your your family, your children, your husband. Take a little bit of time to write in your journal. Take a little bit of time to close your eyes and visualize your day. Take a little bit of time, whether it be five or 10 minutes or two hours, depending on how much time you have. Take that time for yourself in the morning, first thing, and take a little bit of time for yourself. Like I said, 10 minutes to two hours before you go to bed. It will change your life and it will help you process your emotions before you start interacting with other people. Yeah, I love that. And back to the chakra thing, I'm in full agreement of that. I kept getting this like sore throat, but not to the point of sickness, you know, but just tension in my throat. And then I, I kept like meditating and I'm like, why does this keep coming? And then it was like, because you're not communicating your truth, because you're not speaking out, you're not, you're holding in your voice. And the moment that I started communicating my truth with my family, with my husband, with the people in my life, and not that I was lying or being deceitful, I just wasn't communicating the full truth of what I needed to say, right? I was holding back in terms of, of things that would benefit my own self because I felt selfish in that, in speaking my truth in certain spaces. And the moment that I started doing that, like I haven't had that feeling or that sort of throat since. So I'm like, this works. Right? This so works. And I always tell people, unless you tell people how you really feel, you're not allowing them to love the real you fully. If you don't tell people fully how you feel, you're not allowing them to love you. And when people realize that, a lot of people are like, you know what? Okay, I need to say it, even if it's uncomfortable, even if I don't think I'm going to get a positive feedback, but it's allowing people to really love you. And I'm glad you shared that because you're sharing that, okay, until I express how I truly, not just a little bit, but I truly feel about this entire situation, I can't address it to my family and my family don't really know. And so I think that's something, especially us as women, we have to remember that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have fear. It's okay not to feel comfortable when you think you should and say it. I know we've had times where you know, I've been uncomfortable and usually I'm not the person to say, I don't feel comfortable doing this or I can't do this. But the fact that I even said it allows it to be addressed. And then other people might be feeling the same way and you don't even know it. But once you've given yourself permission to be real and to be vulnerable and speak your truth, not only do you allow people to love you, but you also give other people around you the opportunity to speak their truth and permission in, in their power as well. And to me, that's being fierce and not fierce in a like catty way, but fierce in love, self-love. And you're loving yourself when you speak your truth. I love that. And also on the side of what happens when someone is wounded by it, we have to remember that when we're speaking our truth and someone gets triggered or wounded or hurt by it, that's from their own place of wounding. That's from their own place of fear. That's from their own place of judgment. And that's something that it's a blessing that you're giving them the opportunity to work through it. And so we're always co-creating. And by only, yeah, by, by speaking the truth, it's like, you might make someone feel uncomfortable and that's okay because you're, at least you're sharing your truth and then they can work on themselves and what, what comes up for them. Absolutely. Something that I just talked to with a friend about recently is that anytime, no matter what anyone else is doing, anytime you feel outside a place of love or compassion for someone, it's your own personal work. If someone pushes you out on the highway 
and they're like, they're da 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 da. Your reaction to them that's not, oh man, I have compassion for whatever they went through this way that makes them feel this way, right? That's compassion. But when you go off on them and call them a, like hothead, irresponsible, that's your own personal work. So, well, however, whenever we're, we're functioning, whenever I personally function out of love, out of compassion, I know that that's the work that I need to do on myself. And we are not responsible for anyone else's perception or how they perceive or receive us being who we really are. We're only responsible for our own personal reactions and how we react and how we communicate our needs and wants into the world. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. I'm so appreciative. If people want to connect with you, where is the best place to do that? The best place is on my website at koyaweb.com and also on Instagram at koyaweb and my company, Get Loved Up, G-E-T-L-O-V-E-D-U-P. And then my book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, is everywhere. Good books are sold, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. So yeah, those are the main three places. My website, Koya Web, Instagram, and just grabbing my book at a bookstore or on Amazon. Amazing. And the book is really an easy read. Like I think so often we're like, oh my gosh, I already have four books on my, you know, next to my bed, but this is like super easy. You can read it, you know, a page a day. Like it's so simple and so easy and you can integrate things. And like you said, you can jump ahead and go back. And so definitely, definitely get it. It's not a challenging read, which I think is really, really beautiful the way that you read it, wrote it. Thank so. you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so, so excited. I know the listeners are going to love this episode. Thank you again for being here. I really, really appreciate it. I found that whatever you want to master, whether it's your health, your relationships, your career, having practices to cultivate the courage and face your fears are so important to help you create that change. I encourage you to identify right now one thing that will help you tap into your fierceness and overcome your fears. Maybe that's just stepping into the fear and finally doing the thing that you're terrified to do. For the next week, do one thing to move through the fear that you've identified today. If nothing comes to you, take one of the practices from this podcast that you discovered today and implement it. Whether that's breath work, yoga, meditation, journaling, prayer, all of these things can help you get unstuck and live your most fulfilling life. You just have to do them. So many people want change but are unwilling to do what it takes to get there. So whatever your fear is, know that you have the capacity to build an immense amount of inner strength and meet any of your challenges with grace and ease. All you need to do is commit to the process. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for facing your fears with us. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.